hello again. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Off Script Podcast. My name is uh, Robert McKinney. I'm one of the pastors at Christ Fellowship Northwest, and uh, this is where uh, we like to take the opportunity to uh, talk about some things that uh, we don't, uh, we may not necessarily get the chance to talk about on a, on a Sunday morning as we're uh, we're preaching and teaching through God's Word. And today I'm uh, I'm joined by. Uh, couple of uh, friends, I won't say good friends, that got me in trouble in one of our earlier episodes, uh, but a couple of, uh, of friends and colleagues. I've got uh, Pastor Daniel Barta here with us, and what do we call Danny now? He's kind of like pastor. Pastoral, that's right, pastoral candidate Danny C. Phil, I will... Uh, Phil dropped that at this side the other day. Oh, he did, did really, he? Okay. I was like, man, yeah, that's different. That is different. Don't mess up. We're all watching. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Don't mess up. Uh, we'll, we'll spare you the backstory, uh, but Danny is uh, is walking through the uh, the elder process at our church. So, so today, guys, uh, we want to talk about uh, studying the Bible. Uh, we're we're walking through uh, Matthew chapters four through seven, uh, and on Sunday morning, uh, looking at uh, Jesus' temptation and, and really going all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, and just thought it'd be a really good a really good opportunity to. Uh, just talk about uh, how you study the Bible, how I study the Bible. I think uh, we were we were actually kind of joking right before we we hit the record button, right? That there's a lot of things that we do as pastors when we're studying the Bible that we've just done them for so long that they're uh, they're kind of knee jerk reactions, or we do them from from muscle memory, and so we forget to to emphasize them and and talk about them. And so uh, that's what that's what we're going to talk about um, on the show today is um, is how we study the Bible and hopefully give you some. Uh, some practical tips that will help you as you are uh, in your cell groups, um, at family meal and missional community, interacting with uh, w- with God's word. And so, kind of the the big uh, category, big bucket categories that that we like to talk about when we talk about biblical studies is this idea of inductive versus deductive. So I kind of I kind of prep the guys a little bit. Um, uh, with this with this question, so uh, somebody want to want to take a stab at this at like what's the difference between an inductive Bible study versus a deductive Bible study? Danny's shaking his head like no, I don't I don't even want to I don't even want to attempt it. What's the difference between the two? And then let's talk about why it's important that we choose one um, over the other, at least primarily. I'll give that caveat primarily. There are some I think there are some opportunities and some places for deductive Bible studies, but primarily our bread and butter around Christ Fellowship Northwest is is inductive. So what what is that? What, what would you guys say? What's the difference between the two? Why is it important? If you are doing a deductive Bible study, okay, you are starting with a topic or a question yep. like, um, can I do this or that? Um, what does the Bible say about the Lord's Supper, the ordinances? And then I go to my Bible and I try to find the passages that speak to that and I try to learn... Um, starting with a topic or an idea or a truth and going to the scriptures to learn about it. Um, rather than inductive would be, I start with the book of Titus, yeah. and I'm going and trying to figure out what does the book of Titus say? What did Paul say to Titus? And I'm looking at the text, understanding the text, and that's where my Bible study is, uh, the meat of it is. Yeah, and that's um, and so that's why primarily at our church, right, we're going to be walking through a book of the Bible, kind of doing these expository series that go. They may not necessarily go line by line or verse by verse, but they're going thought by thought from the the scriptures themselves. 
And I think I think it's actually really important that that we do it that way, just because it it protects us. Well, I think it protects us from a from a handful of things that, that we can talk about. But uh, number one, as like a Bible teacher, like it protects it protects me from like jumping on my hobby horses. There are things that I like to talk about, right? Um, that I that I would enjoy talking about and could easily talk about from stage. But but letting the scriptures kind of have that that authority over what I'm saying kind of prevents me from uh, focusing on on my hobby horses and forces me to to deal with things that I may not want to deal with otherwise, difficult things, right? Um, I think it also protects us from reading into the text, right? So um, one of the things that that we do when we read, whether it's a a novel or the Bible, we're bringing certain presuppositions to this text as we're we're trying to kind of understand it and comprehend it. And so by uh, by letting the, the Bible speak for itself, so to speak, and, and starting there, we're protecting ourselves from um, kind of uh, making the Bible say things that it never really said. I, I have found one of the benefits, in addition to those, walking straight through a book of the Bible, through it, I learned the argument, the flow yeah. of thought. And so I've actually found that helps me more so than Scripture memory. So trying to memorize verses versus understanding the yeah. thought flow of the book of Galatians and how it applies to uh, law and grace and learning the argument and being able to recognize how there's the same argument over here and over here and over here and the rest of Scripture. Um, that has been way more beneficial in my being able to recall Scripture down the road in, yeah. in an instance um, than trying to memorize blocks of Scripture. So understanding, like, there's the thought flow of Galatians chapter 1, and here's the argument. I know that argument now. And I'm armed with, and I can identify it other places as well. So uh, that's a huge benefit. When you're picking and choosing passages and studying topics, a lot of times that thought flow is disjointed. You're picking up pieces here and there, and it's not a logical flowing of thought. Yeah, I would I would add one more thing to that, just along those same lines. The I think about the books that I've really like dug down in and I've studied in depth, like John, First John, uh, Ephesians. Um, and if I'm just doing topics, then I'm going to, like what Robert said, kind of a combination of what y'all both just said. I'm going to skip. I'm going to do the things I like. I'm going to skip other things. But the Gospel of John speaks to a whole host of things. If I'm just picking my favorites, I'm going to miss some. Um, but as I've studied the book of John or other books, like you get that full that full breadth of Jesus' teaching. Or in Matthew, like what we're about to go through, you get that full breadth of teaching. That's going to be able to speak to a lot of different situations in life. Um, and those will, like what Daniel said, will be recalled to our memory quicker when we find ourselves in situations where we need to insert scripture or biblical principles uh, as we deal with other people in the faith. And, and just by kind of maybe putting a cap on that part of the conversation, the inductive is the majority of what we do, and if you do that well, it will help you do deductive well. Sure. So when I understand, now I, I can go into a book of Galatians, which I've studied multiple times, and I could use portions of it in its proper context as I'm looking at uh, the law or or other topics that are brought up within Galatians. Because I've done the inductive work, I can do, hopefully, the deductive work. When questions arise, people in the church ask questions. I can give a good answer from texts that are used in their proper context because I've studied the context already. Well, and that's why, I mean, that's what makes doing kind of topical studies or deductive Bible studies, I think, so difficult is because if you're going to do them justice, right, you're going to have to pick a passage 
or a paragraph, a thought, and you're going to have to do the inductive work um, on the front end, or you're going to risk, like I said, making the Bible say something that it that it never said. The only other thing that I would add to it uh, that, that I think the inductive Bible study kind of helps us with is that we often forget, right, that the Bible is one big story, right, from beginning to end. And so by, by again, by starting with the Scriptures and letting them speak for themselves, right, we're, we're, we're protecting ourselves from um, kind of just like picking out a little piece of the story here and never really like stepping back and seeing kind of the, uh, the overall big picture that kind of flows from Genesis to Revelation, which, again, in the, in the, because of the authority of Scripture, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the way the Bible has kind of been woven together, right, when we let it speak for itself, each of those individual stories, right, if we're, if we're interpreting them correctly, right, they fit into a bigger one, and we can tend to miss that, I think. Yeah if we're just picking out individual topics. And, and uh, uh, <clears throat> along those lines, a helpful thing for me has been when I do have questions or if our people have questions, they're starting with a question and they're trying to figure out what does the Scripture say about this thing. Finding people who have a track record of doing inductive study well. Yeah. So guys who are preaching good exegetical sermons, pastors, um, somebody who has uh, walked through has a great commentary on the book of Romans, might be a great guy to turn to as far as, hey, what does the Bible say about election? Well, he's probably dealt with it in the book of Romans in a very inductive way. Uh, he would be a good resource to ask a very deductive question uh, and try to find an answer for it. So. So, so let's talk a little bit about how this works, right? So we, we've dropped this big word, inductive Bible study, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of kind of explaining what it is, why it's important, but how does it work, right? And so uh, there are there are kind of three three categories that that we want to think in uh, when we think of uh, an inductive Bible study, and those three categories are this. And so I'll give them to you, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about them one by one. Um, so first is is observation when we're doing an, an inductive Bible study. The first thing that we're doing. Uh, if, I, if I'm sitting down in my chair on a Monday morning and I'm studying the scriptures for my own kind of devotional life, like I'm making observations. The second thing I'm doing is I'm taking those observations and I'm interpreting them. I'm, I'm making an interpretation about what they mean. And then third, I'm, I'm making application. So uh, I'm, I'm taking the meaning that I have, I've kind of distilled from my observations of the text, and then I'm, I'm applying that to my life. Like, why does this matter to me? Why is it important? How does it change my life? That, that kind of thing. And so let, let's talk about those kind of individually, and would love to just kind of hear some of the things that you guys look for. Uh, when you're when you're kind of walking through each of those each of those steps. So so first observation. So uh, you're in your chair on Monday morning and you're doing your kind of your devotional time and you've got your Bible open uh, to a passage of scripture. What are you looking for? What are you observing in a pa- in a given passage of scripture? Yeah, I'm so I'm looking for uh, lots of things that we learned about in English class. Yeah, um, that's right. So nouns, verbs. <clears throat> Actions, all those, all those different things, uh, repeated words or phrases. Uh, so, an example: this past week, when in your sermon, you were talking about Jesus being led into the wilderness. Mark actually uses the word "drove." That's an important, that's an important word to key on. So, underline that yep. that action, that verb, um, because that's going to lead into uh, some interpretation and then some application on the back end. Yeah, so like the the I've always heard that described as the five W's and the H. 
the five W's and the H. So like who, what, where, when, why, and and how. I think I actually picked that up from like a journalism class or something like that. But it's a it's it's those are uh, how many that was that seven? Who, what, where, when? Why? I'm bad Six. at math. Six. So bad at math. Uh, six, like six things that you can be looking for in any text, right? That's not even really math. That's just like counting. It's counting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm working on that. But one hey, I'm a, a I'm a self-proclaimed. I'm self-proclaimed <clears throat> as being bad at math and, and all things numbers. But yeah, so uh, I mean, the, anybody can sit down to a passage of scripture and answer those questions, yeah. right? Like who, what, where, when, why, and and how. I think those are. Are good things. What, what else? What else are you looking for as you're as you're reading in your easy chair on Monday morning? The the thing that I, if I have three minutes or I have an hour and a half, the one thing that I'm always looking for is what does it say about God? Okay. I'm looking for a clear, true statement about God. What is the text claiming? Uh, it comes from a conviction that the scriptures are there primarily to reveal God to us, and so at least if I can align myself with that purpose. Um, there's many times where I'll just read until I come across uh, a very clear – if I don't have to so, – the whole thing is about that. But if I don't have a lot of time to, to really dig into the context, I'm just going to read until I get a clear statement. Like God is uh, so just – So I want to ask you a question there. Yeah. So like three minutes versus an hour and a half. Let's say I've got three minutes, Yes. right? And I mean, I don't know how many verses you can read in three minutes, Yes. but it's probably, let's call it 10. Let's say, let's say Daniel can read through 10, 10 to 15 verses in three minutes. What if there's no explicit statement? Cause this is, a, this is a question I've often asked myself. What if there's no explicit statement about, about God in that passage? Yeah. Usually, usually if I, I think that would be a very rare exception. Okay. So if I have three minutes to read as much as I can, the a clear something, and it may not, it may not even be a clear statement about him, but it's it becomes obvious in the He's text. He's forgotten that this about is numbers. Don't tackle numbers. He's forgotten minutes. about numbers. I have <laughs> preached through numbers, and yes. uh, you you have three minutes. You should be able to read a chapter sure. of the Bible in three minutes. There are very few chapters that you're going to run through. That God does not do something explicitly, or He's not explicitly referenced, and so that's what one of the things I tell you, people who are just starting in this, is like, yeah. don't get caught up in all the uh, the nuts and bolts of the tags. The emphasis is the reason it's written is so that you learn something, that you fix your eyes on God. And so the first thing I would look for is what does the text explicitly say about God? Um, and once I got there, if I got there in thirty seconds, I only have three minutes, I would spend the other two and a half minutes praying in response to what yeah. the text said about God. So. Yeah, I think some other things you can look for are uh, repeated words and phrases, right? So if you see... <laughs> If you're reading, uh, if you're reading a passage and you just see something, you know, uh, multiple lines of text, that's that's probably something that you want to key in on. Um, uh, anything that can be put in a list, uh, words that indicate like a change in time or topic. This is a big deal in the Gospel of Luke, right? He's Luke focuses a lot in on like movement, Jesus movements and and time. Um, like contrast, comparisons and contrast, right? Um, 
and then like uh, words that can indicate cause and, and effect. And there's actually a, a document or a, it's it's a website that I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the show notes that kind of gives you some of these things that uh, that we're talking about here. So you'll be able to listen to the podcast, get under the the show notes, and we'll be able to to access this document. We'll have more. What what else do you guys kind of look for as you're observing things? Anything else that you want to add? One of the practices I like to use is a mechanical layout. We learn those things in school. Um, most people they do them and they forget them, but it's something I've retained. And one of the the whole point of a mechanical layout, whether you break it down on paper or not, is to pull out the uh, the clear statements, the independent clauses, which literally means they're phrases that can stand by themselves. They've got a subject and a verb. Complete sentences. Um, they're complete sentences in themselves. It kind of removes all of the uh, prepositional phrases, descriptive things. It's just this is basically the essence of the sentence. And when you pull that out, you can really begin to see the the thought flow, the flow of the passage. The summary of it is really clear if I can identify those things. And so um, that's a practice that I what – what is independent of everything else? This is what is happening in the text. Um, usually brings a lot of things into focus. I'm looking for uh, prepositional phrases. I think prepositional phrases are actually are actually really helpful when I'm studying a passage of Scripture. So, like, you know, if you, you just think about all the things that, that can happen, like, to the tree, you can go, you know, uh, to the tree, above the tree, around the tree, behind the tree, below the tree, all of those, all of those little phrases, right, often communicate big things in, in the scriptures. Also, c- conjunctions, right? Danny mentioned English class, right? It, it really does, like, a lot of the things that you learned in high school and middle school English, like, are in play here, right? So, conjunctions, so, like... You know, when you see the, uh, like, therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you probably should at least make a mental note of it, maybe even consider, like, underline, because it's telling you something. Um, it's telling you something about the relationship between what came before that, immediately before that in the text, and, and what came what came after it. Like um, Conjunctions like but often indicate, like, a contrast. Um, any kind of any kind of conjunction like that is is something that that I'm paying attention to. As well.